Welcome everyone, welcome to the Simon Dan podcast. It's episode number 40. I can't believe we're at number 40. Thank you all so much uh, for joining us. It's a special one again uh, this week. Joining me once again, the man who gets his lunch from a petrol station garage every day, it's Cats. How you doing buddy, you right? And do you notice I made an extra special effort this week not to speak over the jingle? Yeah, you I did well. Times Two done. weeks in a row, didn't you? You fluffed it. You, you spoke over your jingle, but that's fine. Uh, we were all beginners once. Uh, oh, which, yeah. um, so, a uh, bit of bit of sad news this week, wasn't there? Uh, one of the prominent flat earthers, Mr. Rob Skeever, unfortunately lost his life. Uh, we believe it was COVID, don't we? Uh, although I don't know, think they're giving me details, are they? Yeah, it is. It is sad. And what I was, the first thing I thought of when when he passed was, what's the reaction going to be? Maybe there's a little bit of hope out there. That people who follow him might be might be along the lines of, well, actually, you know, maybe he should yeah. have had a vaccination. Maybe, but it was straight to the they've killed him with the ventilator. You yeah. go on the ventilator and they, and they use it to kill you. Yeah. You know, straight to a completely different conspiracy. It was, wasn't know? it? And and because we, we heard sad. that story, didn't we? That that, uh, that that some of his followers were planning to break him out. And, and and administer their own medicine and stuff like that, which is just obviously ridiculous. So, uh, yeah, pretty sad. I, I know we fight against these people um, to do with the shape of the earth, but still sad all the same. But anyway, let's let's lighten the mood. I've been addicted to Squid Game. Have you seen any yet? No. Oh come on! Everyone in the cu- everyone in the world has watched it. How have you not? Actually, to be fair, you don't have time for anything. You don't even have time to read books, do you? So. Yeah, very very busy at the minute, but but it's on my watch list. Um, was it Squid Game? Squid Games, yeah. Squid, I, I thoroughly recommend game. it. It's very very. I, I'm sure our guests have, have got something to say about it as well in a minute. Uh, but I, I was addicted to it, and the wife and I we went through it in a, in a few days. Um, it really is very very good, very good TV. But anyway, right. let's get let's get those guests on. We've had them on before. Uh, we we had I don't know if you remember the science of Red Dwarf and the science of Star Trek. Well, they're back for another edition as we talk about Back to the Future. We'll get involved with Spanners first. How you doing, buddy? You all right? No jingle for you, I'm afraid. I'm I'm all right. I'm creeping forward unless you look at me and then I'll pause (laughs) and I'll stay still and I will use the other guest as a body shield in that situation. Of course, of course, yeah. And our other guest is Mr. Matt Trumpets. How you doing? I'm doing quite well. You're going to want me for tug of war. That's all I'm going to say. Oh, yeah. So, but obviously you two, like no spoilers, by the way, no spoilers, Uh, but... You two have seen Squid Games, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All of it. Yes, yeah. all of it. Yeah, I think Matt's frozen. So I <laughs> I did not tell my wife about this. So what I will do is I'll scan Netflix and Amazon Prime and I'll, I'll find a series I want to watch. And there are some series you go, oh, this will be perfect together. With Squid Game, it caught me so immediately with the trailer and then the first episode that I deliberately didn't tell her about it because oh. no way I didn't want to get bogged down in waiting for her to have time to watch it or having time together to watch it so I just binged it by myself and when I finished it I was like oh so I was just finished this thing called Squid Game I guess you could check it out if you want but you know it's not very good <laughs> it is very good I have my problems with it but it just I absorbed it yeah yeah it's it's the sort of show which um, I mean I was a big fan I don't know if you ever saw um, Kung Fu Hustle back in the day uh, it was a, an old dubbed film, like comedy film. It reminded me of that to start with. 
Um, oh, can I talk about the dubbing? Can I talk about yeah, the dubbing? Yeah, if you want to, yeah. Okay, so so it's a South Korean production. Yeah. It's in South Korean language. On Netflix, it's really good. You have the choice of whether to have a voiceover dub or whether to have uh, subtitles. You do. Now, if the voiceover dub is good, I can accept that because you avoid looking at the lips, you look at the eyes. Yeah. And that takes away the sync. But instead of having like South Korean accent speaking English, it was like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm <laughs> yes. so short of money. Maybe this one gamble will take me over the threshold. And I was like, oh no, come on. Like, that takes me out of it. It's not Chad from Boston, is it? It's blinking. I know, I know. Uh, what I noticed was at the start, the first couple of episodes, the, the dubbing kind of sort of matched the subtitles. But the further you went through the show, it deviated from what the subtitles was saying in, in terms of what the dubbing was saying. It was very weird, wasn't it? What do you think, Matt? Yeah, well, I was going to say, you sound like my kind of people, that you have the dubbing on, but also the subtitles. And I always find it interesting when they diverge like that. Yeah. Yeah, there was... No, I, I gave up. I turned the dubbing off. Oh, and okay. I just I read it. We kept I always it feel like you get the acting more when you do that. Yeah, yeah. I think we kept, we kept it on, but... Um... I think that was just because we started with it and we thought we'd just we'd just go through but yeah very interesting a program honestly watch it it is brilliant it's brilliant so so cats that's your job watch at least oh, a couple look. of at least a couple of episodes and then we'll talk about it next week but anyway do. we're here to talk about the science of back to the future so anyone who has listened to the podcast for uh will know spanners and matt from uh the science of red dwarf then cats joined us for the science of star trek both really, really great chats, really, really interesting stuff. And and today we're going to focus on the science of Back to the Future. Now, I mean, these films I loved as a kid. I absolutely loved them. I've seen all of them umpteen amount of times. Cats, how many times have you seen them? It's got to be at least five each, otherwise you're not even a, a fan, are you? Oh, yeah. I mean, my, my kids now, um, they enjoy Back to the Future. So I've, I've, even in the past couple of years, I've managed to see them all at least once or twice again. Yeah. You know, with them, so they are they are legendary films, aren't they? they? Are. Yeah. What about you guys? You, you you've seen must have seen them loads of times. So watch them a bunch of times as a, as a kid. Try to watch it again with with our kids. I forgot how deeply disturbing the first one is. So obviously he's trying to like, yeah. you know, the, the getting rid of the advances of your mother. Watching that in front of like your family with your eleven year old is super awkward. But yeah. also, uh, what's the dad's name? George. Uh, George, yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the earliest scenes is him like in a tree, perving with well, binoculars. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> to Marty's mum getting changed, and you just go, "Poor, that is a yeah. very 1980s <laughs> scenario." That's not why are we rooting for this guy? He's a predator. What's going on? Yeah, yeah. What well, happened in the 80s stays in the 80s. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So Matt, I, I'm assuming you've seen them all, yeah. Yeah, at least once. Yeah. I think the difference uh, for me is that I was older when they first came out. So okay. the first one I definitely saw a bunch of times. The other two I've been through at least once or maybe twice with my quit my kid when she was younger. But I'm definitely on a Spanners thing. Like as you got older and watched them, your relationship to them changes quite a bit. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, where where do we all stand briefly actually on the uh, on number three? Because a lot of number three films get cane don't they but i actually thought it was quite a good one what do you think i think it was the best cinematic experience yeah. actually and obviously it was a little bit later so the production values seemed there and they knew what they were doing a little bit but the time aspects it just got wait wait what <laughs> hang on he left the note and then the who yeah and then yeah, yeah. so it let itself down from that point of view but it was probably the best film 
I just thought the whole sequence of stealing the train, getting it up to speed, pushing the DeLorean was brilliant. That whole sequence, you know, I've I've watched that hundreds of times. That that little yeah. sequence, and then they ruin it with the flying train. With the flying train, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for no reason like why does that have to fly why does it have to be a hover train like i know that? i know but hey we'll we'll and it, the enjoyment it gave to me as a, as a child I, I can forgive a lot of things for these sets of films so but anyway let's kick it off and we're going to kick it off with the flux capacitor so this is the big piece of tech isn't it that that doc brown said that he invented one night after he slipped on on and hit his head on a sink now it's a totally made up thing and we don't really get to hear in the film how it works how he what 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 powers it what's made it but he it just is the it's the time circuit it's the thing that makes time travel possible um cats flux and capacitor are two scientific words aren't they so what they what they've kind of done is they've mashed them together to make uh, a scientific thing that that could could mean that we can travel in time haven't they but but more interesting, I was doing a bit of reading on it, obviously, knowing this was coming up. It yeah. is actually a capacitor. Yes. It, it, yeah, it actually, so so it generally is a capacitor like flux. To me, you're thinking about magnetic field strength, aren't you? So I don't know where that comes in, but but at least it is a capacitor. Yeah, I did read that the, some scientists have created a flux capacitor, but it's not for anything to do with time or anything like that. Or, um, you know, it's just a, a, a general capacitor thing. I think they have to give it a different name then. They can't create a flux capacitor and not have it anything to do with time travel. They've got to change the name now, surely. It's like creating a lightsaber and it being a spoon that changes colour when it gets warm. You know, it's just not it's not good enough. Yeah, 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 you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. I mean, it's just a cool name, isn't it? It's a cool name for something that is supposed to be scientific. They did a good job, I think, picking that name yeah i have not put together that oh yeah if it is a capacitor that's good we're building up a large amount of energy we're yeah. building up to 88 miles an hour which seems somewhat arbitrary yeah. but, and then it's released this big release of energy and then we go through time as a um as a engineer as a, a repair engineer when i used to go out and fix radar transmitters and the operators would ask me what was wrong with it i would have a lot of fun talking about there's an issue with the flux capacitance and I'm just trying to get it up to 88 and and people will be like, oh, okay, okay, that's going to take some that some time. But it is a good sciencey sounding word. We never really, you know, we didn't, we don't criticise Star Trek for, for making up science terms and, and Back to the Future needed one and I think it, it fit the term. Yeah. It fit the, fit the spot. It did. It did fit it. It did fit it well. Um, and, and obviously we found out that it needed 1.21 gigawatts. That's what he said. 1.21 gigawatts to power it. Now, Matt, did you know that 1.21 gigawatts is the amount of power that a standard coal power plant would produce in about four months? No. No, in fact, I did not know that specific number, but that's pretty interesting. I will give it to you. Yeah. So basically it needs a, a tremendous amount of power in one shot. That's what they're saying, aren't they? So are we allowed to be, we're allowed to be sceptical of this science, sure. aren't we? Yeah, yeah, sure. Oh, okay. Absolutely. So firstly, the question I would like to have answered is, does a lightning bolt provide that amount of energy? That is a good question. Enough? Yeah, because obviously that's the whole plot. They they put this big cable across from the church because they know there's going to be a lightning strike. That cable would just melt. Right. But I, I Someone Google it. Be... Someone Google how much how much power in a, in a lightning bolt, lightning strike. You've done it, Matt. Ten gigawatts. How much? Ten gigawatts. In one strike. In one wow. strike. Wow. There you how, go. Many, how many did we need? One point two one. Oh, 
So we've got enough power. Yeah, we've got enough power. Well, as a, as a mech, I'm telling you that cable, <laughs> that cable, we need, we need, uh, we need like 25 maybe of those cables, or maybe a hundred twisted together to hold that. I feel like that cable is going to melt. To be fair, that only lasts. Sorry. No, I was going to say, to be fair, that's only for five one thousandths of a second. <laughs> oh, so I'm guessing true. you need yeah. to convert it into some kind of work units to make sure you're really where go you on, want to be. Go on, cats. You've probably got an equation, haven't you, cats? Well, no, I was, I was going to go where Matt's gone there. You know, yeah, one point. Because obviously when we're measuring stuff in watts, that's the number of joules transferred per a second, second, isn't yeah. it? So for the amount of time that that lightning bolt uh, strike, you know, how many actually, you know, actually how many joules are we getting across? How long does that power need to be delivered? So it sounds like it fits, but but take it you know I, i'm not sure i'm still skeptical but also we've got to think how does the car handle that i know it goes to the flux capacitor but it's going straight for the car as well isn't it so the body of the car should be fine you know you're just passing a current through metal as long as it doesn't melt it i mean cars when they get struck by lightning they don't disintegrate you see like a little scorch mark or whatever True. but the electronics inside it that's probably right. toast yeah the time circuits. Will it not act as a Faraday cage and protect the electronics? Ah, yes, Faraday cage. Yeah, I don't. I don't think so because I think. Oh, I think you're going to have like a big magnetic. Okay, we're not doing maths. Hang on, let me get a fag packet. Uh, but you're going to have like a big magnetic field as well around all that power. If it does feel like it would fry it. Yeah, possibly. But then you'd assume that in the building of the initial machinery, that was thought of. Yeah. And and planned for. Yeah, Doc. maybe he left himself a note in a post box, yeah. or something, <laughs> yeah. and then it worked out. And then it was what was it? Was it Ukrainians that he stole the plutonium from? Libyans, uh, Libyans, Libyans. Because <laughs> back it. then the Libyans were the. Uh, uh, it was okay to make them the bad people. Oh yeah, yeah it, it was still it was still Asian bad guys then, and then it went to Russian bad guys. I guess no Germans. Germans. It evolved to Germans. Germans, it? yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so part. So let's talk about part one. So like, that was a brilliant sequence, that lightning sequence at the end about trying to get the cable together and all that. Um, but I want to focus specifically on on the on the general bigger arc of, of part one, which was Marty had to try and make sure his parents got together so that he would be born and the photo kept disappearing. The photo of him and his brothers and sisters was dis disappearing. And obviously... That causes issues in in the grandfather paradox, in terms of the grandfather paradox, doesn't it? Because if Marty was uh, obliterated from existence because his parents did together didn't get together, then Marty wouldn't have been in existence to go back in time in the first place to mess up his parents getting together. Spanners, you said you're going to have a go at this grandfather paradox, didn't you? Grandfather grandfather paradox, rock solid. I see the logic there, but several other series have kind of got around the grandfather paradox by saying whatever you do when you go back was always going to have happened and that's the reason why so you kind of okay even even though you go back you are in your future still so you almost get two versions of that past the one the first path that led to you being born and then you get the second path which means that everything you do in that second path wraps around and was supposed to be that way futurama did it and and made Fry be his own grandfather yeah. by ending up having sex with I his grandfather. I, I remember that yeah, specific and he episode. Who he thought his granddad was actually gay, so it couldn't ever have been him. So he couldn't have been born unless he went back to the past and had sex with his grandmother. Do you know so what? There, are, there are ways around it. That reminds me of something which, when I watched it at the time, made me laugh forever. And that was when he got nuked and Bender went, and you are out of here! Because <laughs> he's got a grandfather. 
but yes, yeah, grandfather, grandfather paradox, Matt. Yeah, well, there's actually uh, been a lot of writing about the grandfather paradox, Absolutely. and uh, one of the one of the theories that interests me most is this concept, and it's because I saw it. I think there was a Stephen King thing about uh, going back in time to try and prevent the assassination of John F. Kennedy. And uh, in it, the protagonist has a harder and harder time doing that because as he gets closer to changing history, history throws up weirder and stranger things to get in his way. And there's actually a name for that. It's called the Novikov effect. And the idea is that uh, the universe, the probability of the universe bends the closer you get to actually changing something that's already happened if you go back in time. Yeah. So, so it's almost like the what has already happened has a lot of momentum and changing that momentum is impossible. You just get a series of increasingly improbable events, which might very well describe the events of the third movie accurately, I believe. Yes, Cass? Are any of you familiar with John Tita, the internet hoaxer from 200 years ago? No. Uh, he, he was, he, he phoned in Coast to Coast AM, which is a massive um, sort of like supernaturally paranormal uh, show over in America and he claimed to be a time traveler from the past and this question was put to him now he he's heralded as being the, the, the he was definitely a hoaxer because obviously none of his predictions come true but um, he at the time he was heralded as having quite a good grasp on the science and you think whoever was hoaxing him was you know like a PhD physicist or whatever uh, and he said that when he traveled back in time it was impossible to travel back in time unless you actually went into a, you know, thinking of many worlds or whatever, into a different timeline. Yeah. So when he went back in time, he went back, it didn't matter what he did when he went back in time, because it wasn't his future timeline that was being affected. It was a different future timeline. Okay. And that's, that's how you go. Ah, interesting. It. Interesting. Well, I was going to say about this, because going back in time in general, um, when, when physicists write about it, about time travel, Going forward in time is always a distinct possibility, isn't it? Uh, but they've always put a lot of barriers in, in terms of not being able to travel back in time, almost against the laws of physics, isn't it? If, you, if you're saying it's a, an inconsequential different timeline, I stop caring, like completely, because then you're just a tourist in a different universe and it's not your mum really yeah. that you're trying to stop having sex with you it's not it's not your dad yeah. that you're stopping perving in a tree so like i'm like i find that really like meaningless unless you're stuck in that timeline forever Ooh. in other words if you yeah. go forward you're on the timeline that you've altered not the timeline that you came from yeah, yeah. also dan i think it's a, a fair question to ask in any sci-fi series in any uh, time travel thing is god real in this universe it, or are there gods? Is there supernatural in the universe? So, like, I, I assume question. you don't yeah. believe in a ever-loving God, Dan. I'm just gleaning it from context from yep. watching all your content. Yep. <laughs> but, for example, Quantum Leap, where they do all that time yes. travel, yeah, yeah. he's being driven by, by God. So it's fine. Anything he does, that's all part of God's plan. Here, though... I think you can judge it more harshly because there isn't any inference of that. There's no grand oh, scheme. There's not no... at all. Yeah. No, not at all. Um, and it, it kind of links in nicely with part two because in part two, he explains, doesn't he, uh, Doc, how whatever, because obviously the end, end of part one, he has to go back because his future was changed and Marty went back uh, and Biff got hold of the DeLorean, gave the sports almanac to his younger self, changed the future uh, for Marty, but Doc, Doc uh, 
explained it really well in that the timeline deviates and it becomes a different a different timeline. So we're almost talking multi-dimensions now, aren't we? Uh, every possible decision you could make can, can branch off and be a different timeline or a different dimension. And that's how kind of part two works, isn't it? Yeah, but I mean, wasn't, 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 did I misunderstand? I mean, it seemed like to me that, yeah, it's a different timeline, but the previous timeline, unlike some theories, it seemed like he was pretty clear the previous timeline gets totally erased. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It gets, to the previous timeline gets totally erased because of what uh, Biff did by giving him the almanac. So this film wants a true timeline. Uh, you know, I, I respect what, what Katz is saying there about how you can have, you know, a consequence-free time tourism, but here every consequence is within this original timeline. So they're trying to fix the future. Yeah. St straight away with Back to the Future 2, I, spot I, I think I spotted an early flaw the first time I watched it that really annoyed me. So, oh, we've got to sort out the problem with your kids. Roads, where we're going, we don't need roads. Yeah. So the, the couple go, right? They leave their timeline to go to the future. Yeah. So the timeline they leave behind, they don't exist in and therefore don't have kids. Have their kids existing relies on them somehow going back to where they were and then going forward and having kids, by which time presumably they've solved all the problems anyway. Yeah. And then that's a big loop. So there. so if they if they'd already had the kids and then they went forward in time. Oh you, yeah, that you, changes you, it. You could argue yeah. that would be okay, yeah. couldn't you? But I, I see what you're saying. If they weren't there in the first place, then yeah, I see what you're saying there. Good one. You gonna say something, Matt? Yeah, well, I was just going to go, to me, the interesting thing is that there's a clear delineation that if you go back, you change things. If you go forward, that's not necessarily the case. And, and I, I found that interesting uh, yeah. in terms of the how the movies created their theory of time travel. Yeah. And of course, when, when everything's all sorted, the their, their timeline's different anyway, isn't it? Because Biff works for uh, George cleaning his car and stuff like that. So the, the, the whole timeline's changed, isn't it? from the original one. Yeah. In part two. Um, alternate timelines is something I've, I've always been interested in, actually. Um, the the whole... Uh, so how did he put it? In the, When he's in the casino and he's having the conversation with Marty about what his younger self said to him. Uh, what is it he said? Uh, if, a kid, if a kid or a crazy scientist turns up asking questions... Kill him. Uh, kill him, yeah. 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 So if that happens, so if Biff manages to kill Marty, then all timelines that were before that cease to exist, don't they? Am I reading yeah. that right? Am I reading that correct? It's, if if it was before he went into the DeLorean the first time. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And then everything's redundant. But then and he, that, become, that becomes the primary timeline and Doc and Martin have no weapons left or would even be aware that they need to change it. Yeah. Unless you go for the end of the third movie where they have free reign throughout time because they're their flying train time travel machine. Yeah. And they could see in the future this consequence and go back to before Biff kills Marty and warn him, in which case you can then recreate the missing timelines and try again. Bloody hell, uh, I'm getting confused now. Do you, do you regret this? <laughs> yeah, oh. absolutely. Yeah, he does. <laughs> uh, right, let's take a break. It's time for Cat's Curiosity. He's going to bring us some science news. What have you got, mate? Right, well, it's a bit of an interesting fact as I was uh, looking up stuff uh, about things to say that was very specific wasn't it um so <laughs> things 
I, I, I could be a professional podcaster. I could talk about stuff and things all day. I love stuff um, and things. <laughs> they're the best, aren't they? And one of the stuffs and things I, I came across, I thought would just specifically suit you two. Um, so I'm just going to fire away and just ask you one or two questions and I'll get into the story. Um, you, you obviously know a lot about Formula One because you podcast. Um, wow, you sure well, well, it's, it's not even, but you know, one of us knows a little more, but yeah, whatever, you know. One of us has been on national radio talking about it, but I'm just, you know, whatever. Can, can I ask you what, because I generally don't know this, what is the miles per gallon for a typical Formula One car? Yeah, Matt can take that one. Oh, yeah, okay, <laughs> right. Um, actually, I'd have to look that up to tell you. Um, it's better than you think it is, though, because mm -hmm. the uh, with the advent of the hybrid power units, they're north of 50% thermal efficiency, Um when you consider the whole power unit, which would be the um, electric side of it plus the uh, internal combustion side of it. So, to pretty fit in a normal car, what would you say a decent car these days, a decent hybrid might even reach like 80 miles to the gallon, might even. So, if it's a hybrid car, a decent one might be so 80 to 90. That would be like the, the ultimate that we could probably buy at the minute. Well, as I was researching uh, for something to say about stuff and things this week, I came across Duke Electric Vehicles, which were a team of undergraduates. And this is this story's three years old, but they entered a competition to build um, the most uh, fuel efficient car on the planet. Uh, and they won it was a competition i'll explain how it worked then i'll give you a guess at uh, how many miles to the gallon you think it did to make it as light as possible they made out a carbon fiber frame um, supported with some aluminium they had uh, an 80 watt motor but they only had a 23 watt hydrogen fuel cell to power it so what they had to do is they had to take the 23 watt fuel cell to drip uh, you know, 23 watts, 23 joules a second into a bank of super efficient capacitors with over 90% efficiency. And then when they had enough charge, they would release a burst of power to drive the 80 watt motor. And then that will push the car along and then it would just travel under its own inertia until the car charged again off this hydrogen fuel cell. And it, and it won. So it was the most fuel efficient car in the world. I think it still holds that record. Um, just take a guess when they equivalent did the it was a hydrogen fuel cell, but when they did the equivalent miles to the gallon, we'll see who's the closest. How many do we think it hit? Was there a human in it? Oh yeah, there was there was a driver. Yeah, what? Yeah, one person. Okay, um, and on a flat. On a, on a flat racetrack. Okay, so a lot of that would have been obviously getting rid of the weight. So you're going to take your radio out. You probably you're not going to have windy windy windows. So it's a stripped down car. They have big bursts, and that is that is I've heard that is the most efficient way to drive. So if it was safe to do so, you should you should accelerate all the way up to seventy miles an hour, then go in neutral and just let the car coast until you need to accelerate again, and then get in the draft of a truck. None of that you should do. Okay, so this is the most efficient. Okay, I'm going to go for the equivalent of five hundred miles per gallon equivalent. I'd go more like. Um... I can go 230. I'm going to go about half that. 230. Dan? Well, I haven't got a clue about this sort of stuff, but I reckon it's something silly. I'm going 1,200 miles per gallon. Okay. So the equivalent was 14,573 yes! miles to the gallon. I knew uh, it. Which was absolutely incredible. Um, but not as incredible as, and this is where I'm going, the most efficient animal on the planet. Um, so this... Uh, this thing could could almost almost get around the circumference of the earth, you know, on on one 
uh, one gallon. Uh, absolutely incredible thing. But the most efficient animal on the planet is the condor. And this is the final thing I'll say before I, I wrap this bit up. But how many times at its most efficient speed do you think a condor would have to flap its wings to get around the Earth circumference once in optimal conditions? How many times wow. do you think it'll have to flap its I'm, wings? I'm going I'm to I'm go first to take to take the extreme end of the answer, you see. So I think using like, you know, if you find a city, I'm assuming they can they can like get a heat updraft and go up. I'm gonna go for one. One flat. The yeah, they can get around the entire world on one. I'm going that extreme. Dan's gonna say, oh, a million. See, whatever happens now, this is like, you know, you want to impress someone. You're saying, well, yeah. guess how, you know, Kevin Bridges' old joke, guess how much I had to pay for that beer in a pub? I don't know, 100 quid. It just ruins it now. Like, yeah. you can't get but one. Matt, what do you think? I'm going to think it's going to take a few more than that. So I'm going to yeah. go with about 10 because Spanners is absolutely right. The, they will ride thermals as long as they can. Um. Say a thousand. Earth is big. I'm going to say 75. Yeah, but it's flat, Dan, so... Shut up. Hard, is it? Well, I'm suddenly going to become way less impressive now with his answer. That really uh, took the steam of it. It's it's just a little over 200. They they, they spend oh. less than 1% of the time flapping the wings. Yes! Um, and, and they only have to do it once every, just over every 100 miles. That's incredible, isn't it? Sorry for ruining your game. Yeah. <laughs> I was hoping it'd be like thousands. What? Thousands. What? That's not, not quite. I feel like the game lent itself to, to go for an extraordinary answer. That's yeah. All. Yeah. I'll take that. I'll take that. Thanks, mate. That was, that was actually really interesting. That was, Matt, that was rigged. Really Don't feel bad. This yeah. is rigged. Look, oh, we'll invite those guys on <laughs> and I'll show them. I'll show them how clever I am. No, 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 no. no, I, no. Did, I did look up the Formula One mileage because they are limited to 110 liters per race. And that works out to be about seven miles per gallon. Oh, right. Wow. That's about as much as my Land Rover. Yeah, pretty good. Well, you're gonna have to queue a lot in Britain at the moment yeah. to fill that up. Yeah. Uh, right. So part three. We talked about part three. Spanners. The letter. The letter. Oh, what, what's your beef with the letter? My my beef with the the letter. Hang on. Okay. So what happens is he gets uh, he gets a letter from Marty McFly. This is the end Doc of part Brown. two, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. The end and of part Doc two. Brown goes. Yeah. No, no, you can't tell me my future. This would be terrible. Oh my god, no! And he rips it up. And then Marty McFly is like, okay, you want to subvert the future? I've got a plan. I'm going to... He sets the time machine a few minutes back so that you can go back and stop Doc Brown getting shot by the... Yep. By, by the Libyans, was it? Libyans, Libyans. Yep. yeah. So he goes to the car park. He's, he's, he wouldn't you know it, Dan. He's too late. <laughs> and dramatically, Doc Brown gets, gets, gets shot. It's gone so down. So in the cinema, I'm glad that my kids weren't there at the time because when in Angry Birds, spoilers, Angry Birds, when it looks like Red has been killed under rubble, yep. my little daughter, she was only about five at the time, she yelled out in the cinema, fake out, it's fine. <laughs> and, so, and, and so it was here. In the, It was a fake out and he's fine. He's oh, don't worry. I wore a bulletproof vest. Bulletproof vest at point blank range from what looked like, I can't remember now, but something like a AK-47. Yeah. So it is a large caliber round. You're talking like a seven mil round at close range in automatic. The bulletproof vest more than likely acted just as a, a way to let it go in one side and then ping pong in his body. He's been <laughs> shredded by seven millimeter rounds there. Also, what if you got shot in the face? Yeah. So you have all that information and all you do is put on a bulletproof vest. Bulletproof vests aren't brilliant. And actually, the force of the bullet still hits you 
So like people get flung miles back from a bulletproof vest. You're going to get concussion or something anyway. Anyway, terrible plan. That's all. Okay. It was for the fake out. It was all for the fake out. Yep. Matt? Maybe the bulletproof vest came from the future. Mm-hmm. Good call. Good call. Anyway, yes, that's, that's all well and good, mate. And I'm, I'm very happy with that. But I was talking about the other letter. Oh. <gasps> the one left at the postal service. The one Question where he showed up at the end of number two. Yeah. And said, I've been living in for the past however many months in the year 1885. I thought you were going to have a beef with that letter. No, I was I was leading all the way to the bulletproof vest. Can you edit it in? So I was talking about the right film. Cheers. Uh, no. Yes, Matt. <laughs> uh, the thing that I loved most about that letter was that they were able to fix the car with vacuum tubes. <laughs> like, this is amazingly advanced technology, but I can fix it with vacuum tubes if I have to. Yeah. Yeah, but and, of course, and I, that whole I love the whole process in number three, where obviously he had no fuel, and then to figure out a way of getting the the, the DeLorean back to eighty-eight miles an hour without fuel, and just push it off a high enough cliff, or uh, add in the letter, "Hey Marty, yeah, yeah. could yeah. you? I know top this up, top up before you come. <laughs> yeah, don't don't queue up for fuel in twenty twenty one, but in your time it should be fine. Get a get a jerry can and bring some back yeah and no yeah don't use a plastic water bottle please yeah because mm. the tank got hit by an arrow didn't it that's how he lost the fuel yeah uh, for the for the for the uh for the also, Native wouldn't Americans. 1885 i'm not an expert in 1885 science but yeah. didn't i mean they, i know there wasn't petrol cars but was there no fossil fuels or oils or petroleum or anything whale oil i think was the maybe the big thing there Maybe. If you can make a flux capacitor, I'm sure you can. <laughs> yeah. Well, he made some pretty good stuff, didn't he? he? Made some pretty good stuff when he was there. Um, but yes, the 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 time machine train, the time machine train, which obviously showed up at the end of uh, number three after Marty went back to the future at the end, and had it was it was it right that he'd he'd already gone loads of other places before he'd come back to that point? Is that what he said? He'd gone to loads of other times or something, and that's how he got all the the gear to make he, the he train. He had kids, didn't he? Yeah, yeah kids, yeah. Kids yeah. Yeah, yeah, kids. So he'd somehow figured out that that was the moment that Marty had got back, and he'd done all his time travelling before to make sure that Marty was okay. But I guess that's fine, because when you've got a time machine, you can go and check it's okay whenever you want, can't you? Yep, forward, not a problem. <laughs> oh, we're talking about the end flying train, not the, the train end. they used to push the DeLorean. No, the end yeah. flying train, his oh, time right, machine okay. train that he built. Yeah. Um, that he built to to go back and see Marty, even though he told him to destroy the DeLorean when it got back. Sorry, the only reason I got diverted was that the only thing I can really remember about that train is they go towards a canyon. Yeah. And then in, in Marty's original timeline, the canyon was named after the Doc Brown love interest. Yeah. Because she died in there. Yep. And then it didn't it get changed to the whatever the character Clint Eastwood, yeah, because he called himself Clint Eastwood, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Who names these canyons after? Like, like, imagine like just naming everything in your town after just horrific things that happen there. Yeah. The other thing was, I don't know if you this is a you might have known this the the mall. It was called Two Pines Mall or something, but he knocked one of the pines over and it was I can't remember the name of it or something. But when he went back, it was called something different, wasn't it? I, I think like we've got to forgive this thing because. I know one of your beefs, Dan, is that the photo changes and he disappears in the photo and you go, well, the photo wouldn't be there at all. Yeah. But it does it over and over again. There, yeah. There's the facts, isn't there? There's the uh, the agreement facts You're in fa- Back to the yeah, Future 2. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. the facts is there with the header, but the text disappears. So they really like this. Like nothing changes, but just like the name <laughs> yeah. of the thing. 
<laughs> yeah, they do like that. Um, and and one of the big parts, one of the big things in this film is the hoverboard. The hoverboard. Now, the science of the hoverboard, um, I did actually look this up, and they have made one, uh, cats. They have made a hoverboard. Mm. Uh, but it can only be used over steel uh, by taking advantage of the eddy currents uh, with the, with the, uh, the magnetic... Uh, capabilities but is there any way do you reckon we can make a real hoverboard that can go over anything uh, <laughs> he's like I don't know do you have an unlimited power source that is very very small and will fit into a hoverboard uh, then maybe okay G- give me the physics <laughs> well if it's a hoverboard uh, we're not assuming unlimited altitude. We're assuming a very yes. limited altitude. So we, you already have hovercraft, which are massive, True. and use True. massive engines and just simply use a curtain of air yep. over which they float. I, I don't think that, I think you could simply scale it down, but only if you had an energy source capable of powering it that could be small enough. Yeah. Okay. And I guess in the future, that is a, a distinct possibility. Yeah, but how far in the future, Dan? I've done some maths. Okay. That film, I had to, I looked, I had to look this up. It was released in 1989, the second one. Yeah. And uh, the future thing was 2015. So that's... Do, do the maths for me, Dan. You're smart. Sorry, what so was 20, it? 20, 26 19, years. 19 what? 80? 1989 to 2015. So we're talking... Yeah, 26 years. Yeah. 26 years. So our equivalent would be 1946. Uh, 2046. 2046, right? yeah. Okay. So like... We... 2046 does not seem that far away. We're talking about my kids being mid-30s. Having, that's that's me being a granddad, possibly. Yeah. How in 1989 did they go to 2015 and go full flying car, <laughs> full hoverboards? That's yeah. far too close. It was, it was a big... A bit. They mm. should have gone a bit further, shouldn't they? Because they, they went they, full Jetsons. There was, there was, yeah, there was genuine highways in the sky, wasn't there, of, like, traffic in the sky and stuff and... Yeah, we are we we're big into segways in our house. We've got a couple of really yes, good you are, hoverboards, you? obviously called hoverboards. Yeah, actually have a pretty similar effect in that it's personal transportation. It is close to the ground. You your your legs kind of act as the suspension, and it when you zip along, you can zip along at 10, 11, 12 miles an hour on the flat. I know it's not legal at the moment, but we have totally gone out for long journeys around our town on them and it does feel like the future and it does feel kind of like a hoverboard it's just you know you do have the contact with the wheels but instead of a cushion of air you've got a cushion of legs yeah they do look good fun i've not gone on one of those yet actually they're great yeah is it not easy to fall off on or oh yeah at first we had an amazing time i'll send you some videos at christmas where we all tried it out first at home and all got bruises then we went out and bought a helmet helmets each and knee pads and, okay. and from then on, we did it in helmets and knee pads. Brilliant. Yeah. Right. So no, that's... <laughs> what I want, what I want from you guys is a mark out of 10 on how plausible the entire set of films are. Uh, Cats? Uh, one. He's gone for one. Spanners? One. Uh, well, I can forgive it a few more things. It's very unforgiving, Cats. Come on. <laughs> okay. So you've got to forgive the time. You've got to forgive that it's a pioneering series of movies and i think with any sci-fi you can forgive it one or two things so i can forgive it the mechanism for for telling whether the time has had an effect or not i'll forgive that mechanism yeah my main beef with it is that you have the power of time travel and all they really used it for was securing sex 
their timelines and money. Like once you have the power of time travel, money doesn't matter like even a tiny bit. So two. Two. Matt. Well, uh, this is an interesting one because certainly the they punted on the time travel thing. Yeah. In terms of mechanisms. Like and and fair enough, because that wasn't the point of the movie. But I think within the movie, they made a, a pretty serious effort to stay mm. logically consistent they in did. the universe they built. Yep, they did. So fair enough, you could ding them morally for being so self-centered and only focusing on themselves. But I, I think uh, if you overlook the time travel, because I think I think cats, if you're including time travel, then one is pretty much appropriate because mm. like wow. none of that made any real sense. Yeah except in the largest but but if you were to overlook that i think i'd have to give it like like a five or a six i mean i think they made fair. a solid attempt fair yeah and and um you know i did a little bit of looking do you have any idea how many timelines were contained in those three movies altogether go on eight eight a total of eight yeah matt are you saying they followed their own rules because i can i can get down with that yeah I'm i saw it did, didn't they yeah they did i saw it yeah. did yeah absolutely i I was going along the lines of 0.5 just because of the complete implausibility of traveling back in time. Um, it's uh, harsh, harsh, but, um, but yeah. I don't think the Simon Dan sci-fi movie studios are going to be much of a hit, honestly, Dan, if you're just sticking to strictly to it. What about, what about on the quantum scale though? I mean, surely there's negative there's negative delay oh, in solving quantum yeah. equations. So I mean, you know, it's not. All right, I'll upgrade to one. I'll upgrade to one. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah, okay. Um, brilliant, brilliant, guys. Love that. Right, we've got a new game. We've got a new game. You guys, we you weren't here for this game last time. You played. You no. played Guess the Conspiracy, which you uh, did. You win on that, or did you lose? Yeah, we won. Yes. We won. Yeah. Mm. This one's called Two. the Scientist Game. Um. So. So. Uh, cat, it's, this is cats versus the guests, and uh, what's the score? Cats, it's six four. I, you know, it's a really good question. I don't know, but if I've got to guess, I'm going to say twelve nil to me. I don't know. I think I think he's six four up. Okay, I think he's six four up. He's definitely in the lead by one or two. I know Come that. On, Matt. We can do this. So, the rules of the game are: I'll start reading some chronological facts uh, in chronological order. Sorry about a scientist, and the first person to guess the scientist correctly gets the point. Okay. Are we ready? Avogadro. I'm doing that Jeopardy thing where you just guess. Incorrect. It's not. It's not that. Ah, yeah, but you can geez. you can keep you can guess as much as you want. Born in Oxford in 1942. Stephen Hawkins. Oh my God! Are you joking? <laughs> no. You just the only scientist I know. He's got it. He's got oh, it in the no. first go. No. Unbelievable. Yes. Yes. Did I ruin uh, your game, Dan? Do you want to ruin no, the rest No, no, that's, that's a good result. That's brilliant. Uh, honestly, no one has um, got it in the first guess. Nice. The, someone's got it in the second guess, but no one's got it in the first guess. I'm <laughs> Those fools. Ugh. I'm so, very... I was those going second, for zero guesses. Second guess losers. Yeah. That's, that's what we've got to do next. Just preemptively guess. Yeah. Cats didn't stand a chance. Oh, didn't stand a chance. Um, oh, well done. It, after that, it was uh, 1953, attendance at Alban School, uh, graduated from Oxford with a physics, uh, natural science physics degree. And then 1963, which I thought would give it away, was diagnosed with amyotrophic lateral sclerosis. And I thought then yeah. one of you would have got that it. That would have been the... Um, uh, but well done. Well done. Good. I'll figure out the score, but I think it's now 6-5. So you've pulled one back for the guests. Well done. 
Is it only one? Yeah, one point. Is it only one question? Yeah. It's not. I had my but second answer all lined up. Spence, I was this, guess this Elizabeth go, this, Friedman. This, this normally takes three or four minutes. This game. <laughs> yeah, I had time to Google something <laughs> now. Yeah, we, I was going to guess the world's most famous code breaker, but I guess I need it. Should have gone for Rosal than Franklin. Sometimes going for anybody. I go like fifteen dates, and like no one's got it. <laughs> so you know, this was this was a quick one. Sometimes a yeah. bit longer, but well done. You've got the point for the guests. That's rubbish. Very rubbish very down. very good. Oh, so I beat cats. Yeah, you big yes. cats. Well yeah. Go home and be a family man. You're not cut you know, this game. I'll tell you what, mate. You know, you beat cats. Cats has beaten Professor Jim Al Khalili. So technically, champion of champions. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well done. Well done. Uh, guys, thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure again to have you on. Um, always enjoy these ones. What I'm going to do is I'm going to ask anyone who wants to wants us to look at something else, another movie or TV series with science in it, then let us know and we'll think about getting that in and we'll do that as well. Future Armour. The Expanse. Future Armour. Oh, yeah, two good ones. Two good ones, yeah. We'll we'll, we'll get a list down and we'll, we'll pick something. Uh, but that's it. We're done. Thanks so much. As ever, find these guys at Mist Apex. Is it mistapex.com or .net? MissedApex.net. MissedApex.net. They've also got a YouTube channel as well, and you're all over Twitter as well, aren't you? We'll put all the links in the, in the description. Uh, search MissedApex, you'll find us. Yeah, We're there. Yeah, good stuff. Right, that's it. We're done. Uh, next week, uh, cats, we have got a guy called Alex Olshansky, who's a psychiatrist. He's the guy that uh, worked with the lady who went to the Flat Earth Conference, and we're going to pick his brains about the, the psychiatry of Flat Earth and conspiracies and stuff like that, so it should be good fun. Fantastic. Right. Fantastic. We're done. Thanks so much. Have a great week and we'll see you all soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.